around you that, like, you could see that they're actually really happy? Usually if you're depressed, it's, angry, it's aggravating and frustrating. Like, man, I hate happy people. Get away from me. I need somebody. I need to be with Satine and them around me. But light, we're drawn to the light. We see it, and we recognize that it's not darkness. But you know what's great about salt? Salt is something that you actually get to taste, and it makes you thirsty, right? As Christians, people should see the light in our lives and be attracted to it, but when they get close enough to you to actually taste what you have, it should make them thirst for what you have. Why are we always asking people to come to church with us? They should be asking us, can they come with us? They should be tasting of the goodness that God has poured into our lives. And we shouldn't have to ask. We should be like, I ain't got no more room in the car, bro. You have to drive yourself. We're trying to figure out how to get people and, and, and how to have the right flyer and how to say the right thing. People call me all the time. Pastor so-and-so said this. And I didn't really know how to respond. How should I answer? Just let them taste and see. Be alive with it. Let it be flowing out of you. You need to be filled with the spirit of God. And then you don't have to worry about those kind of questions. The latest convention, right, rich dad, poor dad, he ain't walking around trying to get people to go. They see the money that he has, and they're signing up to go to his little conference. People should be seeing the joy in our lives and trying to be around us. We should be carriers. But there's more. Say there's more. So here's how the story goes on. Acts 8, verse 18. When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perished with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Verse 21. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart might be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. So now you have a bunch of people hearing the word, believing the word, believing in Jesus, getting baptized. Simon says, I believe too, I want to be baptized. But then we see the fruit of his life. You know, there's a lot of people that said, I want to be a Christian, I believe in Jesus, and I've actually been baptized. But there's no fruit in their life, there's no spirit of God in their life, there's no presence of God in their life. Listen to what Simon says when he gets in trouble. His words declare what he really believes. He says, hey, I want to buy that. Let me have it. He doesn't really understand that these are free gifts that only come from God. Then when he gets in trouble, the disciples tell him, you need to repent. God's going to hold you accountable for what you said and what you did and how you behaved. You need to repent. They said, you need to pray. And you know he can't even pray? What does he say? Hey, you guys pray for me. You guys are really carriers of the presence of God and you really know who he is, so pray for me. As Christians, when we ask people to pray for us, we should really be asking people to pray with us. I know that God hears me because I'm his son, and I'm in relationship with him. However, I would love if a few other sons and daughters would pray with me. That's not what Simon's saying here. What he's saying here is, hey, bro, I'm faking the funk. I really just want something from God. I really just want power that I can use again for myself. But I do see what's happening, so will you guys pray for me? Repentance is the only hope for a person 
poisoned by bitterness. Verse 23 says, poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. So we're back to Wreck-It Ralph, right? He's sitting in a group of people, poisoned by bitterness, bound by iniquity, knowing that they're bad and just reinforcing the badness within each other. Any of you have friends like that back in the day? Where you just were really bad on your own and then you got really, really bad when you got with them? Inventing new ways of being bad? Like you got together like, hey man, how can we just tear stuff up? What can we do? What can we start? What can we get? Who can we get with us? When we sit and consider that we're bad, we're not filled with the spirit, we have a decision to make. Too many of us Christians make non-believers believe that we started somewhere other than where they are. Right? If you run into a, a non-believer, if there's somebody that doesn't really know who God is and know his presence, we try to make them believe that we were better than they are. That we started in the church already or, or you know what, I changed a bunch of things in my life and I started doing things different and then God started to bless me. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You were sitting in a circle just like everybody else in the movie, a liar and a cheat, an adulteress, unfaithful, and without the spirit and power and presence of God. That's where we all start. And the only way to get out of that is to repent. There's only one way. We just repent. We acknowledge who we are and we ask God to help us. I wonder how many of our old friends and our old family members do we really make feel like, man, I was right where you are. I was worse than you are. Or do we make them think like, man, you're, you're really bad. I don't think God has anything for you. We all start in the same place and we have a, a decision to make. Either we cry out, Lord, help me. Or we just continue to recite that bad guy affirmation. I'm bad, and that's good. I'll never be good, and that's not bad. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, this is what Jesus says. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's Jesus. I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners to repentance. I didn't come to your little uh, church meeting. I went to the bad guys meeting. <laughs> That's what Jesus is saying. I'm calling sinners to repentance. I'm looking for the one Ralph in the group of all those other people who want to affirm their badness. I'm looking for the one Ralph that says, I don't want to be the bad guy anymore. I don't want to be a sinner anymore. I don't want to keep hurting myself and hurting other people anymore. I don't want to have this torment that every time I go home and the smoke and mirrors are gone, I'm still depressed and I'm empty. I need help and I need hope. Man, imagine if we were Christians looking for that one route. Imagine if we were believers in the church looking to be filled with the Spirit of God instead of only touching him from time to time. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 says, You being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcised, uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way and having nailed it to the cross. See, this is how our entry into the presence of God is paid for. He nailed it to the cross. All of our sins have been forgiven us. All of our transgressions and trespasses, if we repent, they're forgiven us, right? He paid the price. We don't have to pay for admission. He paid the price for us. 
We just have to repent in order to get in. I think sometimes we're just, we're sharing the wrong message with people. What do you tell your friends about salvation? What do you tell your family? What do you tell your kids? Should we talk more about behavior and things we need to stop doing and things we need to, to lay down, all that kind of stuff? Or do we talk about repentance, that God already paid the price for us, that you can enter in, that you can have his presence? This, this idea that uh, it can be had any other way, I think it's, it's uh, like a cancer infecting the church. And as Christians, you know what we end up doing in the church? Just trying to look better and better and keep preaching that message to people. And you know what we end up? Not filled with the actual Holy Spirit. Because our focus, our attention is in the wrong area. Simon heard the word, received the word, got baptized, did not have the, the actual presence of God, the power of God. He said, I want to buy it, though, because I do want other people to have it. He was just missing it. I think, I'm not, I'm not trying to say anybody specifically, but I think the church as a whole, uh, we want to see people get saved, but we don't actually know the route that we should be going. The route that we should be going is making sure that we as individuals are filled with the Spirit of God. Put everything else on the back burner. If you got ministry, but you're not filled, put the ministry down. Right? If you got stuff that you want to get worked out in your relationship, but you ain't filled with the spirit, don't worry about your relationship. Get filled with the spirit. You got kids that you want to see get on the right track and begin to serve God. Stop focusing on how to teach them this, that, and the other. Get filled with the spirit so that they can taste and see. Yesterday, we had a, a couples event here. And... I think we had 10, 10 couples that were here, and, uh, and God was good. It was a, it was a good time. We were, we were being reminded about how important our marriages are, about how our kids are important, but they're not as important as our marriages. Everybody gets mad at me when I say that. I think I've almost been attacked a couple times because I tell people, stop putting your kids first, period. Believe me, more, as much, if not more, as much as anybody in this church I love my kids, but I'll look each one of them in the eye and say, I love your mama more than I love you. <laughs> She's more important to me. <laughs> I wouldn't have you if I didn't have her. Right? And it's the same thing with her and my relationship with God. I love you, Mary, but I love God more than you because I wouldn't have you if I didn't have him. And I wouldn't be able to take care of you if I didn't have him. See, it's about prioritizing. You being saved and then being filled with the Spirit of God has to be more of a priority to you than anything else. You won't see anybody get saved. You won't see any change in transformation. You won't see any wholeness until you have God and you, have, you become a carrier of his presence. And then what you'll find out when you begin to carry his presence is that he does all the work. All the things we were trying so hard to accomplish ourselves without his power and presence, nothing happened. And then once you get the power and presence, you don't try as hard. He just does stuff. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing by the word of God. I'm going to say this one last thing in, in closing. We're going to move forward with the service. Uh, I always get myself in trouble by... I shouldn't say trouble, but by sharing what the actual word of God says, I was, I was moved when, when Gary received the offering today, and he said, uh, look, if you don't want to give, if your heart doesn't cheerfully give, then don't give. You know, I think most churches and most pastors are like, don't say that. 
Tell them to give. They got to do it. That's what God says. You know what the word of God says? He says he loves a cheerful giver. You know what the word of God says? He says you're so saved and so loved that you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to do anything because his blood is so good. If you really received him and been forgiven of your sins, you don't have to do anything. Right? It's the same thing that I would say about the word of God. When I got saved, I'm, I'm thankful that I had a church. I'm thankful that Mary told me I couldn't hang out with her if I didn't go to church. I'm thankful that I had a pastor. I'm thankful for all that kind of stuff. But you know what had the most change and transformation and impact? Every single morning, for years, I got up. I was depressed with my living situation, right? I was living with a, with a family member, and we used to get loaded together all the time. So I got saved, and he decided, right? He decided, oh, you got saved? Oh, let me help you. So I'm not going to get loaded here anymore, and I'm going to do all these things. No, that's not what happened. The same thing was going on in our home that was going on before I got saved. So I got trapped into one bedroom in this house, right? I'd get up, I'd go to the shower, I'd come right back to that room and close the door. I'd go out to eat something, I had to come right back into that room and close the, door, close the door. And I was depressed about it, but in hindsight, it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Because I'd go into that room and this is all I had. And you know what you find when you, when you have only the word of God? Faith and hope and joy and vision. And you know what ended up happening when I got out of that room? I've never been back into a room like that, ever. Because I know how valuable being set free from those things are. We have to get into the Word of God, church. You can hear it preached. You can replay it on the app. You can do whatever you want. But if you won't get into the Word of God, there'll be no faith. There'll be no hope. There'll be no joy. We'll chase after the things we used to chase after. We'll try to get admittance into Disneyland as often as possible, right? So we can get a little bit of that joy, get that fix again, and it'll constantly be evading us. But God has more. Say more. God has more available to each and every one of us. If we just ask for it, Christians, pray to be filled with the Spirit of God. Nobody will ever be able to take that from you. Pray to be filled with the Spirit of God. Pray that our friends and family would find themselves in that circle saying, I don't want to be bad anymore, and that you would have an actual answer for them on how to be changed and transformed. So at this point, Isaiah, would you come up here for a second? <clears throat> Today's a special day. Uh, when we talk about being in the happiest place on earth, wherever the presence of God is, this particular family, this particular couple uh, has been a blessing. And talk about just seeing the presence of God bring amazing change and transformation. Uh, I think today we kind of get to see the full gamut, right? We see God's provision for salvation. Repentance, coming out of darkness and coming into the light. But we also get to see it for what does God do for kids, right? What does God do for our children who maybe don't understand repentance and don't understand uh, really why they would need to do something like that? But God makes a way for everybody. Somebody say amen. Thank God that there's nobody too old or too young, right, too sinful to get out of the reach of God. So I'm going to call up, if we can, the, uh, the R. Kellyan family. And if we can get uh, amen. If we can get Noah, Noah and Nairi, and the baby, we're going to call them up here. What we saw in the, in the scriptures today, Acts chapter 8, we saw these men and women believing in God and being baptized, right? It says that they had previously lived their lives in awe of a man or woman that had some power, had some smoke and mirrors, was able to show them things and do things, and 
I can, I can attest to knowing Gary uh, before we knew God. And man, it was bad. We didn't get together often, but when we did, it was bad. There was no light. But it was funny because he always had this personality that was happy, though, right? You'd get around him, and you'd be happy. We'd be getting loaded, but we'd be happy. He'd be laughing. He always had a giving personality, right? So if you want to get loaded, he'd buy you stuff to get loaded. He had that in him, right? It's funny that the Bible says that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. He's given many of us certain things, but when we use them for the enemy instead of using them for God, man, all they bring is death and destruction. So I remember... uh, Knowing them and seeing them, and, and they have a strong family connection. My family would be with them and, and their family all the time. And then when we got saved, I remember talking to Mary and saying, man, I wish Gary would get saved. That dude would be awesome as a Christian. How many of you know somebody that would be awesome as a Christian? <laughs> Pray for them. So earlier in the scripture, we saw these men and women like this family, that something happens. They come into the community, they come into the city, and everything changes. These men and women, they receive the word of God. It says that they get baptized. They're they're ready for change in their life. They're ready for transformation. And then it says that they come back and they lay hands on them, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's awesome, and we love it, and we're excited about it. But what we see in the scriptures when it comes to children is something different. We don't really see in the scriptures children being baptized. You read through your scriptures and it's not in there. It's not the same process that God has scripturally with children. What we do see in the scriptures is kids being dedicated. You guys can stand. Why don't you guys come over here so everyone can stare at you for a while. Stand right there. What we do see in the scriptures, like I told you before, read the word, open the Bible, see what it actually says and why. God's amazing when he shows you the why of what he does, right? What we see is children being dedicated because their parents acknowledge a need for God to cover their children, right? The parents look at their kids and say, look, I'm an adult. I know what I was doing. I know how I was acting. I know how I was behaving, and I need God. Somebody tells me about God, I say, yes, I want you, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I want to be baptized, right? I want to acknowledge what you've done for me, and I want to be baptized. You don't see that with the kids in the scriptures. What you see is the parents saying, look, Lord, I know that these kids need you as much as we need you, but their minds cannot understand as much as we understand. So you know what we're going to do as their parents? We're going to dedicate them to you, Lord. We're going to say, I know that they're ours. They sleep in our house. They only eat because we give them food. But we also know that we would have nothing without you, Lord, so we dedicate them to you. We hold them up and they say, you know what? I know that their name says Arakelian, but we also know that without you, God, we wouldn't have them. They're yours before they're ours. When kids are born, a lot of people come to faith because no matter how arrogant you are, when you hold a baby for the first time, Every, I believe every heart and every mind says, there must be a God. I know what I did with my body, and I know that I carried this child, but look at it. I couldn't have created this child if I wanted to. We know that there's a God. So one of the best examples of dedication 
that we see in the scriptures is a woman named Hannah. She wanted a child so bad and she was barren. She looked around and she said, look at all these other women. They're blessed. They have kids. I have no kids. God, if you give me one, I'll dedicate him back to you. She didn't say I'll baptize him. What she said is, I will give him back to you. I'll dedicate him to you because I know that my child would have come from you. This is 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10. I want to read to you guys and to everybody else here. 1 Samuel 1, 10 and 11 says, She was in bitterness of soul, and she prayed to the Lord, and she wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on my affliction, on the affliction of your maidservant, and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. So we know, many of the people that know this family know that they've been blessed. They had Nairi, they had Noah, and then they began to pray for another child, and, and we tried to convince them to have another child because we wanted somebody else to deal with the drama of three like we do. Two kids is like easy and, and perfect. That third one, it's like, Holy Spirit, please help us. But we prayed and they prayed and it just wasn't happening and it wasn't going well and there was anguish and there was pain. There was sadness in the family for a while. And then a little over, you know, nine months, 10 months, 12 months, whatever it's been now, they, they came and they told us, look, it, God has answered our prayers, all right? We're pregnant, and we're going to have a baby, and we got excited, and we began to pray, and we began to talk. And it was really important that uh, as she got here, this is Noelle, for everybody that, that, anybody that doesn't know her, this is Noelle, the latest addition to the R. Kellyan family. And they came to us, because we had talked about it before with, with their family, and said, look, we want to dedicate her, but we also want to dedicate all of our kids. You know, we know, we understand now with this new one and with this new baby and things that we've talked about in the past, how important it is to actually dedicate them to the Lord. And they said, this is not just going to be a blessing on Noel, this is going to be a blessing on Nairi and on Noah as well. There's nothing better that a parent can do than to acknowledge that your kids come from God and that without him, there's no hope for them. God trusts you to raise them the way that they should be raised, just like he trusted Mary and Joseph, Right? Picture God saying, I'm going to save the world through my son, Jesus Christ. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to trust him as a baby to Mary and Joseph. That's the same trust that God has over you guys and over these kids. He says, I love Noah. I love Nairi. I love Noel, but I trust you guys to take care of them until they reach an age of accountability where they're going to have to come to me and put their trust in me. Think about Jesus at 12 years old. Jesus says to his mother, woman, I got to be about my father's business. Thank you for nurturing me. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for the home. Thank you for the covering, all that kind of stuff. But I'm at an age of accountability. I know what I have to do. I'm now going straight to the source. Think about this. This young lady, Nairi, right here, she turned 12 just a few months ago, November 18th. I was there. I remember because at 12, she looked at her mom and dad and she said, I must be about my father's business. I want to be baptized. Amen. At 12 years old, she made that decision. We went over there. We talked to her. We talked for a while about what baptism means and, and why it's important, why she wanted to, to be baptized, and she got baptized. It's, it's interesting that Jesus at 12 stayed in the church and said, I'm going to be about my father's business. 
a big deal. So today as we dedicate Noel and we also dedicate Noah and we also dedicate Nairi, even though she's made her decision, she still lives in this home. And she's still accountable to her parents and they still provide a covering for her. So it's important to see why we dedicate. We dedicate to say, Lord, we promise to raise these kids according to your will. We promise to teach them your word. We promise to show them by our lifestyles that you are alive, that they can taste and see, right? And we promise to love them and we promise to trust you and to not give up. That's what dedication means. Dedication is much more about the parents than it is about the kids. Anybody could take their kid into a church and have them sprinkle water on them and pray a blessing over them and say that they've been baptized and then live like hell and expect that they go to heaven? That's crazy. That's crazy. What God wants of parents is to come in and say, we give these kids back to you. We dedicate them to you. We know that you're going to let them live with us for 18 years maybe. And we promise to show them who you are by the way that we live. That's dedication. It's not a one-day ceremony, church. It's a lifestyle of loving God and showing kids who God is. And then it takes a church to support. So we're going to dedicate all of them. We're going to pray. But here's what I want you guys to remember. Children, turn around. Here's what I want you guys to remember as we pray over them today. <clears throat> That day has already come for Nairi, where she gets to take her salvation into her own hands, right? You're still there to cover. You're still there to protect. You're still there to lead and be the example. One day she's going to grow up, and she's going to want to get married, and she's going to need to look to you too, right? One day she's going to grow up, and she's going to have children. She's going to look to you too. There's still this covering that can never be removed. But everyone is going to reach the day that she reached, which is, hey, I, 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 can't, I can't be saved just because my parents are saved. I have to be saved because I know who Jesus is, I know that he died for my sins, and I know that I'm not a perfect little girl, I know that I have sin, right? So I picture her just like Ralph was, sitting in that circle saying, I don't want to be bad anymore, I want to be forgiven, and she got to make her own decision, she got to be baptized, and now we get to watch her walk that out, right? The same thing is going to come for Noel, and the same thing is going to come for Noah. It's only a matter of time, and when that time comes, we'll rejoice. We dedicate them, and we do our best, but their salvation is going to be in their hands. At a certain age, God says they're covered. If anything happens to them, don't worry about it. They're coming to be with me. But when they get to that age of accountability, whatever that age is, then it becomes between them and the Lord. That's going to happen to him. That's going to happen to her. And that's a good thing. So when we pray right now, what we're praying for is just do your part. Keep letting God fill you with his spirit. Keep living your lives as an example to them. And trust that his promises are true. He says if you, if you train up a child in the way that they should go, when they're old, they won't depart. Right? No matter what they go through, no matter what it may look like to the rest of us, right, God's perspective is different. He says that they're going to come back to him. They're going to belong to him. Right? So we're going to pray. For the rest of us who are here, if you guys would stand, I would appreciate it. I say this usually when we do uh, weddings because people like to come to weddings and just be witnesses. No, you guys are part of the wedding, right? Everything they commit to, everybody that's there, you need to call them out on it. Remember when you got married and you said you were going to do all these things? We saw you. Let us help you. It's the same thing with dedication. When they say that they dedicate their kids to the Lord and they want them to serve God and they want them to know who God is, that means if they end up at your house, don't show them things that are not of God. Don't live around them in a way that doesn't honor God. Don't allow them to do things when they're with you and around you that doesn't honor God. The parents need our support. 
The parents need our help, and the parents need our prayers. They're not asking you, and I'm not asking you today, just to pray for these kids. We're asking you to pray with their parents. Their parents are believers. So they're going to be praying, and we're going to be praying with them to give them support. So if we would, let's stretch our hands out to all of them. And Lord, we just thank you today for this couple. We thank you for their children. We thank you, Lord, that every life comes from you and that every life matters, Lord. You know the number of hairs on their head. You knew them before they were formed in the womb, Lord God. No matter what decisions that Gary and Julia made, Lord God, there would be no life without you, Lord. They come before you today to say that these kids are a gift from you and that they've been given back to you, Lord. They know that their job is only temporary, Lord. They get the joy and the blessing of watching the kids grow, feeding them, protecting them, caring for them, teaching them certain things, Lord. But they came from you, and they will be going back to you, Lord. They're going to spend eternity with you. You are their father. You are the lover of their souls, Lord God. You are the one that will be there when the parents are not there, Lord God. You are the one that sees when the parents don't see. You are the one that will know the depths of their hearts and the things that these kids will never be able to express to anyone. You know those things and you care. We just ask, Lord, that you would empower these parents to live out what they cry out today, Lord. When they say they dedicate these kids to you, when they say that they belong to you, Lord, when they say that they'll show them the right things and live the right way, be filled with your spirit that the kids can not only see but taste of it for themselves, Lord. Empower Gary and empower Julia to do that, Lord God. We also pray right now for a hedge of protection over Noah. We pray for a hedge of protection over Nairi, and we pray for a hedge of protection over Noel, Lord God, that you would keep the enemy at bay. We see in your scripture what you did with Job, Lord God, that you had a hedge of protection around him, that the enemy had to come to you and say, man, if you would let me get to him, he'd deny you. He could not even touch Job without your permission, Lord God. You chose to remove that hedge of protection, Lord, not so that Job would fall, but so that Job would prove to the rest of us how real you were and how alive you were in his life, Lord God. We know that the enemy can't touch any of us without your permission. It's temptation from him, but it's just a test from you, Lord God. Our prayer is that for this family and for these children, Lord God, that you just wouldn't remove the hedge of protection. Many of us have been outside. Many of us have struggled. Many of us have been through things that were very difficult, Lord. And we look at these children and we say, Lord, if it be your will, keep that hedge of protection. Keep them safe. Keep the enemy at bay, Lord God. But we also pray not our will, but your will be done, Lord God. We thank you for this family. We thank you that we get to see what it looks like for a husband and wife to get saved to see change and transformation in a home and in a family, Lord God, to see dedication, Lord, and continued growth, understanding of your word, Lord God. And we just pray the same thing over the rest of us, Lord, that we would all just continue to grow, continue to go with you wherever it is that you want to take us, Lord. So we thank you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the R. Kelly and family and for these kids. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand, church. Bless you guys. We're going to do just... We're going to do just one song before I release you guys. Worship team, if you would come, and then you guys have plenty of time. Love on this family. Take some pictures. But I want to, I want to just make one quick call to everybody who's here. I'm going to pray. I'm going to release you. I'm going to open the altars. And, and here's what I want to say. 
Everybody who's in this room right now, you're past the age of accountability, church. Listen, we don't get to say because our father was saved or our mother was saved or our pastor was saved or our friends were saved that we're saved. You have to make your own decision. If you know this morning that you are still sitting in that circle like Ralph, saying I don't want to be bad, but at the same time, I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, you have a decision to make. You have a decision to make, and it's got to be real. you got to say, Lord, I repent. You don't have to fix anything. You don't have to do anything. You just have to say, Lord, I repent. I know I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry, and I want to be saved. I don't want to be bad anymore. That's all you have to do to be saved. So that's going to be the first call. Anybody who wants that, I'm going to ask you just to come forward as we sing and we'll pray together. The second call is for those of you who have already made up your mind who Jesus is. You've already given your life to him. You know today that you are saved, but you also know that you are not a carrier of his spirit. Right? This group of believers in Acts chapter 8, they came in, they had hands laid on them, they were prayed over, and it says that they received the Holy Spirit. They believed, they were saved, they knew who God was, but they didn't carry the Spirit of God. Man, that's, that's not what I want for myself, and that's not what I want for the Christians who are in this church. I want you to have joy, a joy that can't be taken from you, a joy that doesn't only come when you can afford to pay entrance into Disneyland. The power and the presence, the Spirit of God is something you can carry with you, but you got to ask for it you got to ask God, fill me. Not just because I say you should, but because the word of God proves to us that it's something that has to happen. If you're not overflowing with joy, if you don't respond, as I, as I mentioned, the, the lady that, that just lost somebody very close and important to her, with hope and faith and joy, that means that there's a further filling that God needs to do in our lives. Because that's what he wants for us. So we're going to pray. I'm going to release you, and then it's, it's up to you. It's between you and the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you give us an opportunity to be changed and transformed, that we don't just have to come into a group or come into a circle and say, I'm bad, but I don't want to be bad anymore, Lord, that we can come to you and say, is there any hope for us? And you point us back to the cross. You say, for the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross. You saw us after the cross being forgiven. You saw us after the cross not being just able to be close to you and to know that you're real and know that you exist, but you saw us after the cross that you would send your spirit to live inside of us. Give us that vision. Fill us with that spirit. Give us that hope. Empower us, Lord, to take the next step, Lord. We thank you for the children, Lord, that can be covered by you and welcomed into your kingdom, Lord, without ever having to make a decision of their own, Lord God. But we are aware that we have to make a decision. We have to cry out to you for ourselves. We have to repent for ourselves. We have to ask for forgiveness for ourselves. We have to ask for your spirit to fill us that we would be empowered. These are things we have to do. You paid the price, Lord. We just have to ask for the gift, Lord. So have your way over your sons and your daughters here in this place, God. Let your will be done. Let us be in our word. Save those that want to be saved. Fill those who want to be filled. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.
You guys are released, but if you want prayer, the altars are open, and we can pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.